Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm so excited to bring you inspiring interviews with people who are sharing their passion for gratitude, self-love, and kindness. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Russ Barton as a guest on the podcast. Russ is one of the few men that I interviewed when I first did this self-love series. And our interview ended up being one of the most powerful ones that I have recorded. Russ opens his heart and shares how being of service to others has transformed his life. You will catch me during this recording uh, trying to hold back the tears as he shares some of the really amazing things that have happened in his life that could have ended in such a different way, but he chose to view things with a heart of gratitude. And that's what makes Russ such an amazing man. Russ Barton uh, is a senior nutrition scientist at USANA Health Sciences and Education. He's also the manager of social media for the science team. He works really hard on an incredible website called askthescientist.com with his amazing team. He answers the questions that we have about science and sometimes shares his passion for gratitude through the USANA vehicle by sharing the science behind gratitude. I'm so excited for today's guest. Uh, Russ Barton and I have known each other through our relationship with USANA Health Sciences for many years now. And what I really love about Russ is like me, he's also passionate about gratitude. And we've had a great opportunity to become friends as well as business colleagues. Russ actually um, runs this really cool tool that we have called Ask the Scientist. And he is the scientist behind the Ask the Scientist. I feel like it's like a big reveal, eh? And um, yeah, Russ, what's that? The look behind the curtain. It is. It's like the, you're <laughs> like the, the Oz behind the curtain. And um, oh, what I also learned about Russ lately is that he kind of is like the Oz behind the curtain and that he loves to get super creative around Halloween. So, um, you know, I'm so excited, Russ, for us to connect today and just to have a chance to really talk about gratitude on a deeper level, get to know you a little bit. So thanks so much for being here. Well, I'm really honored to be part of this. This is uh fun thing to do I, I don't get out from behind the curtain very often costumes that's the reason for the the beard I can't reveal what my costume is but you know I take it real seriously I agree <laughs> I, so we um we had a really nice chance to meet up in person when I was in Salt Lake City recently uh not for a sauna convention which is so nice because we just got to sit and spend some time together and um you know you shared with me what you're doing for Halloween all these years and I love it and I love this opportunity to create a connection for the person behind the curtain the person behind the computer who's answering all these questions um tell us a little bit because obviously not everyone's going to know who you are I, some people might be really surprised that there's like an actual human being answering these questions for them but tell us a little bit about um you know how you got to where you are today what your role is because I know your role with USANA just really changed so tell us a little bit about that story well, I, I grew up uh, mainly in the Seattle area, and as a, a young kid, I was pretty athletic. I played football, basketball, baseball. Um, then at about 16, my dad gave me a chance to either join the gym or take karate, and I chose the gym because I wanted to work out with weights. 
and I had just read a book by Arnold Schwarzenegger that was way back in the day before anyone knew who he was. And so I chose the gym and I started working out pretty heavily and actually entered a bodybuilding contest. So the health and the nutrition part kind of went really hand in hand with my athletics and stuff growing up. And when I went to college, um, I went to Brigham Young University, wasn't really quite sure what I was going to do. So I did a a bachelor's degree in zoology pre-med because that kind of left me open for other graduate degrees. And then I, so I ended up doing a master's degree in nutritional science. And uh, it's actually a difficult degree to get a job in because most jobs want a dietitian or something else. And I had a science, uh, nutritional science degree. So it took me about three or four years after uh, graduating, doing all sorts of odd jobs. Like I was a milkman. I did janitor work in the middle of the night. I taught. Uh, college for a couple of years, part time. So that goes to the gratitude of having a really good job right now. <laughs> but it took me a while, and I found my fit. I I responded to an ad um, in the newspaper, believe it or not, wow. back in uh, 1997, and went and applied at USANA to work in the department they called technical services. Okay, and that was basically a small group of um, scientists that were uh, intent on providing educational materials and and answering people's questions. And that's where I got started. I got started right from the beginning, calling people on the phone and answering their questions and writing technical bulletins, writing research papers, summaries, things like that. So you started, so you saw it had only been around for about five years when you started. Yes. We were only in the U.S. and Canada at the time. Wow. And you were answering phone calls, like, <laughs> hi, Cookie. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's not your dog, it'll be mine. Right. Um, so the, I had no idea that you had started really back then, like, yeah. doing that kind of work. So obviously, like, it's evolved tremendously today. I've answered somewhere around 120,000 questions, I've kind of estimated, over the decades. Um, And through my time at USANA, they've been really, really good at supporting further education certifications. Yeah. So in 2000, I was certified as a a certified nutrition specialist. Um, And in 2005, as a sports nutritionist. And I go to those conferences every year, keep up my continuing education and so on. You're really in a role too that requires you to constantly learn because you're oh, just getting asked like this, for those that don't know, and you haven't been to askthescientist.com, the, the wealth of information, whether you're looking for USANA information or science information, it is an unbelievable database. And you were part of the team that actually built that, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. That is, it's incredible really. And I think, you know, we all think this is like a huge, enormous project with like this giant team, but I think you were a team of three when that first Yeah, until about four years ago, it was just three, three of us, yeah. So one of the things that really caught my attention, because you do a really good job of, like you said, you summarize scientific articles, 
Um, you also do, you know, you write the articles that are on askthescientist.com, you answer the questions, but you had posted something about the science of gratitude. And I was really intrigued because I'd seen some of the work, but tell me a little bit about, well, what, you know, why, why did you go down this road? What was it that caught your attention with gratitude? Well, I did. I have my own personal experiences. When I grew up, um, we were fairly poor. Um, I bought my own clothes, paid for my own fun. And then I went in and when I was 19, um, I went on a mission for my church to Ecuador and lived in Ecuador for 18 months. And I was not in any of the nicer parts of Ecuador. I was in really with the people way out with people that had uh, no electricity, no running water. And after that 18 years, the first thing I did when I got home was, was uh, lay in a hot bathtub because I hadn't had a warm shower in a year and a half. So I learned, you know, while I was there, even as a young person to appreciate the weather that we had back home, <laughs> I learned to appreciate food and and showering and all sorts of things and so um that kind of started my thought process even as a young person to not complain about things that i don't have any control over and then another big part of that was my youngest son was born very premature um, he was born at 29 weeks and we spent 114 days in the nicu and the way we dealt with it was with humor. I took pictures every day. I'd go and I'd Photoshop funny sayings on them and take them back to the nurses. And we all had a relatively great time with the fact that it was a bad situation. But one thing I'll, I'll throw in right now so I don't forget is the one thing I really learned and the, one of the things that really um, is part of my, I guess my mantra, is that somebody always has it worse than you. Yeah, yeah. And even though my son was in there a long time, he's healthy, he's not blind, he didn't even have heart surgery, and there were people in there that had all sorts of problems much worse than ours. So, so gratitude just always been a way for me to, uh, I guess, not relieve, yeah, you relieve stress, and we can talk more about stress as far as the science goes. Because um, just that underlying belief in gratitude is kind of what gets me through long-term. On a day-to-day basis, I have to practice, you know, you know, being conscious of it. But anyway, sorry about that. That was a little long. <laughs> no, I, I'm listening with like total, for those who are listening as opposed to watching, I'm just really totally engaged with what you're sharing because I didn't know that part of your story. Um, and I, it's interesting because of course you could have been sent anywhere for your mission and the conditions would have been very different, but you were sent into a community where you really had to make the decision of, you know, gratitude or misery. And of course that's not in line with, you know, your faith. So of course it made more sense to, I mean, you're there, you're there for a mission. So you're, you're not, you know, you're choosing to be there. And then it gave you this like real gift of gratitude for the taps that run clean, fresh water and a hot shower, which is actually the basis of a lot of my gratitude work is, you know, trying to 
we can be so unhappy about so many things, but yet we just flick a switch and lights turn on and you can just take a warm bath and you can take a hot shower for 20 minutes, half an hour. If you really want to don't waste water, but you know, <laughs> and that's the thing is like, I actually love that. That's your basis of gratitude because that's what I do my best to teach. And I, I do my best to teach it when I work with children, especially because especially children that grow up in, you know, in a place where they've always had electricity and lights on and water, those are the things that are so easy for, to take for granted. So I really appreciate that you shared that part of your story of where your gratitude comes from. So you already had an interest and then being a scientist. Well, we all have stress, right? Nobody avoids yeah. stress completely. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't uh, deal with it, stress, um, the acute stress, when you hear something in the middle of the night and you get that fight or flight reaction, um, your hypothalamus in your, in your brain sends signals to your um, adrenals to pump out adrenaline and stuff. It raises your heartbeat and raises your blood pressure. Then cortisol comes out and releases blood sugars into your bloodstream so that you've got energy. Um, and that's usually when you're under normal circumstances, that's a short-term thing. Yeah. And then you go back to normal. But if you're chronically stressed and chronically, and I would throw complaining and stress and not being grateful, that's kind of a, you know, if you're, um, everybody has stress, but not everybody deals with it um, the right way and not everyone has gratitude. And I, I think the long-term stress scientifically you have a chronic high level of cortisol that doesn't get back down to normal. That causes insulin resistance. Things um, evolve to basically gaining fat around the midsection and, and gaining weight. It affects your sleep. So all these things are tied in and you end up in a vicious cycle. Um, and there's a lot of ways people deal with short-term stress with you know, there's tips. I see all the tips all the time with organizing yourself and doing that kind of thing. And, 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 uh, different tips work for different people short term. Yeah. But I think if you're going to deal with it scientifically long-term having an overall sense of gratitude when mm -hmm. things, um, just, I don't know, a mindset of overall gratitude makes it much easier to deal with stress chronically, I think, at least for me. Well, and it, it does affect the way that our brain works, right? It does affect, right. it has a positive effect on the, the way that our brain functions. And it does, you know, it, it does have an effect on reducing inflammation and, and cortisol when you're not focused all the time on the fight or flight and the, you know, you're ready for, like we talk about, um, when I talk about this in some of my presentations, I talk about, you know, you're ready to fight the bear that's not there. But your body's like, where's the bear? Where's the bear? And you never fight the bear. So all this like hormone soup is like, you know, running through your body. And when we can shift and focus on gratitude, we actually allow ourselves, our body to process these hormones, right? To actually get back to a better state of, of more balance and, and not being, you know, having elevated cortisol all the time. Um, I really, you know, what I, I like is that, you shared your story about how your son was born premature and that 
while you were going through a difficult time, you used gratitude and humor to get through it. Not because the situation was funny and not because you were grateful for the situation. Right. These were your tools that you used to get through it. And, you know, I've been through some really difficult times too. And, you know, it's not, gratitude is never, to me, gratitude is not, I'm not grateful for this situation that I'm in that's very difficult, but I'm going to use it as a tool because I know that it's, you know, it's how I'm going to deal with it. So I think that's one of the most important parts of what you shared is you use these tools while things were difficult, as opposed to it's so easy to be grateful every day when things are going well, right? Right. You know, and um, I'll throw in a couple other scientific things. Yeah. Um, there was actually a study done showing that people that gave service, but did it for the right reason, and that was an important part of mm -hmm. it, um, had lower, lower blood pressure, better markers of cardiovascular health, and lived longer. So regardless of the cause of the science there, there's some evidence of, you know, giving service with, with the right attitude. Um, there's also, um, there's actually more than 300 studies published on the science of gratitude. What? Really? That many? Yes. Work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they looked at it in a lot of different ways. One study had people filling out journals and they were heart patients and their their um condition improved or was improved um the ones that were the most grateful and the, that were thankful for things in their journaling had actually better um blood pressure um uh, less markers of heart disease um stuff like that so it's, it is really powerful. I actually think that's one of the ones that you might've posted or I've read about because they, they had a control group that was just writing in a journal, but not about gratitude. And right. then a, a group that was journaling and specifically grateful and then a control group. And the ones that actually wrote about gratitude had a more improved situations than those who were just writing in general. Right. So there is, yeah, there's something, there's something really magical about this whole practice and the whole connection with stress and with improved health markers. I think what's great is that we kind of know, like we know, you and I, right. because we've been using it for so long, the positive benefits of gratitude in our lives. But it's always great to have the actual science behind it that shows that this is actually doing something really positive to our body chemistry, our brain chemistry. And so it's like, for those that are maybe skeptical about the value of a gratitude journal, guess what there's science that shows that it it's great so you i told you when we started this that i am doing this project for uh it's a self-love project because i've been struggling for the past couple years um since i moved from uh one end of canada to the other i've had some struggles myself it's been um it's i absolutely love where i live here but i've definitely been struggling with, um, you know, some of the strategies that I used to use to shift my mood or to release weight or to change my habits aren't working as well as they used to. And I really wanted to dive into this whole concept of self-love as part of the challenge, like really learning to understand and loving the person that I am today. Cause that's not definitely not the person I was two years ago when I was planning this move to BC. So I have not interviewed a lot of men. And so I'm really curious to hear, like when I say like, self-love and self-care, just sort of a personal perspective, what do those things mean to you? Well, I, um, 
think I, for me, I have to really kind of take a little time for myself to find something creative to do that kind of uh, gets me out of work and all the other stresses. And my, my thing is I love photography and, and photoshopping and doing videos. And I'm kind of the family history keeper, photo keeper and all that kind of stuff. And if I didn't have that to kind of fall back on and, and so on, I think it would be much more difficult for me to function efficiently every day. So for me, taking time for myself, um, and you know, of course there's positive affirmations and all those kind of things that we, we do. I'm not, I'm not a real big rah-rah positive mental attitude person because I look at it a little more pragmatically from like doing something. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think it's, you know, ultimately, I don't think I could survive without a little me time and self-care. And, and uh, I don't get as much as I, I don't get as much as I would like sometimes. <laughs> but I do, we yeah. do, um, you know, we try and take, uh, my wife and I try and take vacations as often as possible too. And just get away and just, or with what's that? You guys go um, on your own or with your both. We do both. Yeah. But my wife surprised me with a trip to Bora Bora for Valentine's Day. And that was, she won the, the Wife of the Century Award for that one. It was a total surprise. But man, that just really refueled, refueled me. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no other worries. But okay, not everyone can do that, obviously. But No, but it's about the everyday, too. And it's about the balancing, too, because your son is still quite young, right? And you have other children who are also... They're they're grown. Are they grown? Okay, so it's just you you and your son and your wife. Right. He's young. He needs parents. I know you you kind of arranged your life to make it work so that there's someone there for him. And, you know, and that when we're also caring for a child and we have a career and we have a partnership and a relationship, it is much more difficult to take that time for ourselves and to really, you know, do the things that we really love that bring us joy. Um, I think one of the things that I, I really love about you, Russ, is this passion you and your wife have for Halloween. And I, to me, actually, it feels like a self-love activity because you're doing something so much fun. You're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for your son and for your family. So I think it's also like, can we look at this whole thing about self-love as not just about, you know, taking the time and going for the walk, but how much fun you guys have, like with this whole Halloween thing. And I'll throw in, it's not just Halloween, it's his birthday. And I think I mentioned to you really, I'll mention real quick. The reason we did it is when we got through with our time in the NICU, we're at different times in the NICU. My wife and I had discussed when, you know, if he makes it out of here, his first birthday is going to be a huge celebration. And so on his first birthday, we had a big luau and we had probably 150 people there. And then that turned into an annual event. And by birthday three, it was a SpongeBob birthday. We all dressed up Then it was superheroes and we've done Star Wars and we've done all sorts of things. So every year we dress up big time and everybody's, you know, everyone participates and my son chooses the theme like way in advance. (laughs) And, uh, and, yeah, so it, it, it's just, it is part of our fun and it is part of our, you know, gratitude for having our son healthy and, 
and uh, creative and fun. It's a fun thing to do. Well, and you know, what's really interesting is that a lot of parents, a lot of moms who are preparing birthday parties and all these celebrations, it actually becomes a burden. It becomes a source of huge stress. And what I love is you guys framed it in a totally different perspective. You framed it as a, we're so grateful that he's here for another year. And shouldn't we all like, really at the end of the day, like nothing is promised, you know, our, whether our kids survived the NICU or not, they're here, they've lived another year. And I actually really think that's a super important thing that you've shared is you take these celebrations from a place of gratitude. It's like when you talked about service, when you're doing acts of service from a really deep, a beautiful place in your heart and not out of obligation, it really does change how you feel. It changes your body chemistry, all these beautiful things. So I've learned so much from this really great conversation about science and and gratitude and learn so many things about you, Russ. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask before we wrap up, if you could recommend those that are watching or listening to make one change today, so it could be to start something or stop something or create a new habit, what would that be for you? I would say for me, uh, probably, the biggest thing I would uh, advise somebody is to take action on something, to do something. Last year, um, my mother-in-law lived in a uh, government subsidized housing unit with a lot of older people and a lot of people that had uh, were fairly poor. And my wife came home one day and said, you know, those guys don't even have enough money to buy food. And they're kind of that forgotten group, you know. And so she said, I want to cook a dinner for, for the whole complex. And there's like 300 people at this place. Okay. And we just figured it out and we did it. And we started doing that. And we got donations from the local grocery store. Had, I cry easy, sorry. No, but it, there were times that we promised to make them dinner that we didn't have enough. Anyway, but we did it anyway. That was our best financial year. Because I think we just got out of ourselves. Sorry. We got out of ourselves a little bit. I, I please Sorry. apologize. This is actually <laughs> the biggest gift you are giving me and everyone who's watching or listening because, um, it is the hardest thing is to give when you feel like you don't have enough. And it's in those moments when we give, when we feel like we don't have enough that we give from a place of being of service to others and from our heart. And because you made a commitment and a promise to people, it does, it comes back in so many beautiful ways. So that suggestion of us just taking action and doing something, your, your wife's one little action, the ripple effect is. Yeah. We went and cooked dinner and then my son who's only was 13 at the time, made friends with a bunch of elderly people who just loved to tell stories. And so, and we did a little uh, Santa Claus thing there too, where we dressed up in Santa outfits and snuck around and gave them laundry detergent and different things that, you know, you just wouldn't think about, right? But so that would be my thing. Just do something simple. Give somebody, pay attention at a restaurant and give somebody an extra big tip if they deserve it or 
you know, just it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing, but just pay attention when you can see somebody in need to do something. All right. <laughs> Russ, I have adored our time together so much. This was uh, so much more than I ever thought it could possibly be, the, the connection that you've shared with me and with those who are going to listen and watch. Thank you for sharing your heart. Um, you've really given me some things that I really want to think about and take action on. And I really love that it's just about we have to get out of ourselves and take action because we do have so much incredibly to be grateful for right in this moment today. And there are others, there are someone always in a worse situation yeah. than you are. Someone always worse off. <laughs> thank you so much, Russ. I really appreciate this. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Julia. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wake up with gratitude podcast. If you'd like to continue your journey with gratitude or stay connected, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Did you learn something from this episode? Was it of value to you? Please share with your friends and don't forget to add us to your favorites and download the episodes automatically when they are posted.